better? I said, God's been so good to all of us. If he would give us what we would deserve humanly, my goodness, we've been a mess. But the greatness of God goes beyond what humanly we would deserve and gives us what he wishes for us to have. This is why that we enjoy the riches of his grace today. And we know that our God is rich in so many things. Gold, silver, platinum, all the metals of the earth, all the stones, all those things. He made them all. But yet he never desired to reveal himself to the church in the riches of gold or silver or platinum, but in the riches of grace. He knew that we would need a lot of it. It's a good thing he's rich in it. I'd like to say how much uh, Carol, my wife, and I have enjoyed being here. Uh, the service is just tremendous time. Wasn't able to be here Wednesday and Thursday to hear Brother Wayne and Brother Doug because I had a sister in the church that passed away, so I had to change my travel plans and stay around and take care of that funeral. But uh, the services that we've been here, we so enjoyed. So enjoyed the fellowship and just gives us a little foretaste of what it's going to be like one of these days when we all gather together around the throne of God. None of us be old, none of us be tired, weary. No matter how much we enjoy being together now in this life, we get tired. We have to go back home and we have to resume our normal, normalcy of life. But imagine living in a land every day where you're never tired, you're never weary. Nobody is upset. You won't find yourself avoiding anybody. Of course, I know there's nobody here that does that. But. You realize that we not only need to be changed back to young people, but we need to be changed. Because there's things about each of us that we don't like about other people. We wish everybody could be like us because we are the perfect example, of course. But you see, the part about you that doesn't like the part about me, both of us will be changed. And we'll all be together, be wonderful. That's what causes our differences in churches. All these preachers, as much as they love one another, yet we'd sit down, we'd go to discuss and doctrine, and we'd find, you know, we don't view this exactly the same and that exactly the same. And yet, no doubt, every one of them is born again and have the Holy Ghost. So it's not the Holy Ghost that disagrees. It's our human element. But the human element can be so strong that brothers will part ways because of doctrine. But won't it be wonderful? When all of that part is changed. And we'll just be able to be with him forever and forever and forever. Before I read the scripture, I'd like to invite you. I heard Brother Tim announcing meetings. So I wanted to also announce a meeting. It will be the largest gathering of young people which has ever been held. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be a, quite, a, quite a meeting, so you don't want to miss it. And it's going to be held in a gated community. <laughs> Amen. And he loves you so much that he went to prepare a place for you in that gated community. 
Let's turn, if you would, today to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. So both of these lights are not just survivors. They are rulers. Rulers. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. How many would like to be remembered today before the Lord? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, in our hearts we feel a little bit saddened today because this is our last service. Lord, if we would gather together again next year around this same time, no doubt there would be some of us that would be gone, some that would be missing. So this meeting will never be able to actually be regathered in an identical fashion again. Lord, we've so enjoyed the times that we can be together with our friends, our loved ones, our family. The family of God is such a wonderful family. But Lord, as we will come to the last service and before long the last song will be sung and whoever's going to dismiss the service will let everybody go and we'll pull every bit of it out that we can. But then we know we'll go our ways. Some will be flying out this afternoon, some tomorrow, some Tuesday, some driving back. But Lord Jesus, may there not be a one of us missing, Lord, at that great meeting. When we gather around your throne, Father, and we sit down there at that table and you walk out and take your robe and we sit there and take one another's hands across the table. We walk out and we get our time in front of you. You take your robe and rub it up under our eyes and say, don't cry no more. Lord God, it'll be worth everything that we've gone through in life to be there. Help us, Lord. You see our needs today. We've seen you come by last night in such a wonderful way. Deliverances, healings. We just believe, Lord, there was many things happen. But here we are today, Lord, and we have different needs and different things going on in our lives. So we're expecting you once again to speak to us, minister to us. Help me, Father, that I can get out of the way. You see the needs of the people. If there's a need that's laying outside the confines, which I've studied Make me sensitive to the Holy Ghost, Lord, that I would be able to go there if it's no more than for two or three minutes, Lord Jesus, to be able to speak to a heart. We commit ourselves to you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I'd like to speak to you again today on the ministry of the moon. The moon and the sun, husband and wife. The sun 
spoken word of God. The moon, spoken word of God. Yet God riding their paths in the solar system, both of them testifying of the greatness of God. Psalms 104 verse 19, he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. I want you to notice now the sun is not appointed in the same way for seasons as the moon. So it testifies to us that the moon naturally and the moon spiritually has seasons and we must be sensitive to those seasons. And this is where, of course, in every age that man has missed the program of God. Because man tends to want to hold on to the past or the former season of which God was doing something. And then man refuses to go on as the seasons change. But yet the moon is not only unallotted the luminary power to reflect the sun. But the natural moon, though we don't know that much really about the laws that God correlated between the sun, the moon, and the earth. Yet the moon was committed by God, by creation, and those laws were committed into her paths by which she would operate in the universe and the solar system. God don't have to tell her every day. God does not have to speak to the moon every day, do this, go there, do this, do that. But it's actually given to her. It's in her predestinated ordinances. And yet the moon itself did not fall, of course, when the earth fell. And the moon has been there for millions, maybe even trillions of years. We really don't know. The prophet tells us when God said, let there be light, it could have been billions and billions of years. We know that the universe, the earth itself, bears within itself the geological records of many, many ages and many fossils, even a place up in Newfoundland, which is a great fossil record of the earth, over 29,000 feet of fossils, of little fishes, and all kinds of different things. 29,000 feet. You understand how many miles that is? 5,280 feet in a mile. And you're talking about layer after layer after layer. So the earth holds within itself this geological record. And yet the moon itself, we know very little about her as far as what God placed her there for. But we can see that God gave her as a type of his church. So she is able to receive the light of the sun, not produce any sun, but reflect. And this is what God wants us to do. We can never reflect the reality of the ministry of the Son of Man, Christ the Word, until we are truly born again. We'll never be able to do it just by standing in a message church, sitting in message pews, even though that's good. We can only reflect it when the birth of the Son Himself transpires in our lives. Aren't you grateful for that? Notice in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 35, Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night. I love this word, ordinances, it is chukot, which is a statute or a limit, an enactment, something prescribed or a statute. So the moon has ordinances by which she operates. Now, for the age that we live in, especially the Laodicean churches, they hate do's and don'ts and ordinances, and you can't go here and you can't go there and you can't do this, but the moon, which is our spiritual counterpart in the universe, 
universe also has ordinances. The moon does not do as she pleases. The moon does not shine when she wants. She does not dim when she wants. She does not manifest herself on the four stages of the quarters whenever she chooses and say, you know what? I think this year I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do different. I'm getting tired of being a quarter moon. I want to shine all full moon all year. I'm getting tired of this quarter moon, half moon, three quarter moon stuff. I decided I want to be a full moon all year long. She can't do that because it is in her ordinances by creation to be able to reflect the glory, the barnard light from the sun in these four stages. No matter how much you and I wish our battles were over and we were free from trouble, we will never be until we are finally changed. Well, I'm going to make up my mind and I'm going to speak positive things the rest of my life. I'll never have a battle again. Talk positive as much as you want to. You're still going to have battles because you need them. That's right. We're always going to have them. And yet the moon and the sun as they operate in the confines by which God made them. And of course, if God would have placed the sun as in close proximity as the moon, there would be no human life on the face of the earth today. We would be destroyed. But God knew exactly how far out to put the sun and to put the moon and to put the earth in the proper proximity where they would be able to coincide together. And he knows exactly the same about you and I. He knows how to orchestrate the up times in our life and the down times in our life and the good times and oh, how we love to rejoice. My, if we could have services like last night, every service, wouldn't that be something? But in reality, we know we're not going to. Now, Wednesday night, y'all will be gathering here again. Lord willing, Wednesday night, I'll be back up in Tennessee. Brother Ron at home, different ones of you at home. Will it be a camp meeting type service like it was last night? More than likely, it will not. But yet sometimes those laborious types of services on Wednesday night, laying the word in, dealing with some doctrinal issues, those things are things that help make the camp meeting so great when we do have them. Now, we wish it could all be that way, but God has said, no, it can't be that way. We've all got to be changed before we can have camp meeting all year round. Now, that's what it's going to be when we get there, but until we get there, we have to have these other things. So the ordinances of the moon is what dictate to her her pattern and her cycle in the way she reveals herself. And as we looked at it yesterday, that there's many, many things on the earth that pattern it, uh, logging, uh, surgeries, all different types of things, even the cycle of humanity, even if you want a boy or a girl, if you notice the cycles of the moon, you're able to be able to go those ways. Many things which affect what God has placed in the moon. And then the spiritual side also we can see that God chose to write the Bible up here in the stars. So in reflecting the moon, he gave the identification of the church. Now the church itself, God started it out the way that he wanted. The prophet said in the masterpiece, he started it on the day of Pentecost to build another masterpiece. Now listen what that church was. The original seed word started in the first church. What was it? The seed word. And the word manifested the promise that had been given. Joel said, it'll come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Now we still believe in that, do we not? 
because that's the way God started out his church and answering to the prophetic utterance that Joel gave many hundreds of years prior to this. So whenever the members of the born again church come out of the upper room, now once you notice they believed on the Lord Jesus and they were justified. They also entered into sanctification under what Jesus said, Father, sanctify them through thy word, thy word is true. And the Lord Jesus actually baptized most of the disciples. So they were justified, sanctified, and they were baptized. But now they needed the Holy Ghost. So they come into the upper room and they, they are there, they receive the Holy Ghost. Now when they come out of the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Ghost, how long was it that they waited before they went into manifestation of that Holy Ghost? Did they go out and take a, a training course? Or did they go to school on how to be apostles? Were they tried and were they tested for six months or nine months or a year? How long was it? Now, come on, don't get quiet on me already. How long was it that they waited to see if they were worthy and to see if their behavior was going to be able to match what they had received by the new birth? Praise the Lord. How long was it? So they go from the upper room, then preach. Peter begins to preach and of course you know the Lord added to the church and then a few days after that we find them down at the beautiful gate. They didn't have to wait six months, a year, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years to see if their behavior was fitted to match the power that they got. You see this is the way God started his church and I wonder where do we get the ideas then when we get the token life of God that we have to wait 10 years, 20 years, 30 years 40 years and maybe eventually we'll be trusted to where that we'll be able to lay hands on the sick and that that's not the way God started his church well amen that it was the original seed. So what they needed, did they learn? Of course they learned. Did they make mistakes? No doubt they did. We know they made mistakes because they actually chose the wrong man to take Judah's place. But when it come to manifestation, when they received the birth of the word, the gene in them was quickened. The spirit of God sent them straight into the street. They started doing supernatural. They started handling the word of life and God was with them. Now notice in paragraph 112, the prophet said, and notice it started out as the original. Jesus said the word of God is a seed that a sower sowed. He was the sower, the seed was the word. So the original apostolic church that was prior to the beginning of the church age, it was the very seed of God quickened. It was a manifestation of Christ in bride form. So the moon was shining because it was receiving its strength, the borrowed light from the Son of God, and that first church age was affected by the personal life of Christ Himself. Amen. Now notice in, in the church age book, but something happened. We learned the most amazing truth the Holy Spirit could and would fall upon the unregenerate false vine Christians and manifest powerfully in various signs and wonders. Now we believe in signs and wonders, but signs and wonders is not the only evidence that God's with you. That's right. You have signs and wonders and you deny the word, it's something wrong with you. Even as Judas had a definite ministry in the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine when the Lord Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me? Jesus, Judas lived such a godly, holy life without reproach. 
If this man had been flirting with some women and they knew he was taking money out of the treasury and he was always different, this man's life was so close to the rest of them. They questioned themselves before they questioned him. Peter and John and Bartholomew and the rest of them standing there, they didn't say, well, we know who that is. Yeah, we've always noticed him. We always know he was weird. And they questioned themselves. Is it me? Is it me? And I'll tell you, friend, that is quite a thing to look at and realize that this man was so close. And you know the pattern of the Eastern people, how they would set that Judas actually was set in order for Jesus to be able to offer him the salt. Judas was set right at Jesus' right hand side. They actually, by the way they were set, and they did not set it the way we do at a table, but they actually kind of reclined and laid back. And Judas was leaning right over next to Jesus on one side as John was on the other side. And the position that Jesus gave Judas at the table and the rest of the disciples sitting there looking at him in their mind, they would have thought he's taken his place. He's getting his place because he was so favored by the position at the table where he ate. Oh, my. My, my. But he didn't show his color so much at the table. He showed his colors at not receiving the Holy Ghost. I love to shout. I love to run. I love to jump and do all that. But that's just the table. I want to be able to come to the upper room. Amen, and get born of the Spirit of God. Now, watch this. The prophet says then, as Judas had given a definite ministry in the Holy Ghost, though he himself was pronounced to be a devil, a man which was a devil, yet partook of the ministry. Lord Jesus, help us, God. Now watch, with these principles in mind, he said, we start to trace the church through the various seven ages. The birth of the church was at Pentecost. As the first Adam was given a bride fresh from the hand of God and was undefined, now listen, these words are powerful, for a brief span. So here is an increment of time by which the original seed word operated outside of the declaration of what we know as a church age. Because the church age did not begin till 53 AD. So they were operating outside of the influence of the church age under the perfect administration of the Spirit of God birthing a bride. Amen. Notice then, so for a brief span, so was Christ, the last Adam, given a bride pure and fresh at Pentecost. And she remains separate and undefiled for some time. Now, what is thou? Here comes a perfect image of the bride tree. It was actually the Alpha Bride. So the Alpha Bride in seed form lived apart from the spirit of Antichrist. She lived apart from the, the, the thing that was going to come in just a few years later and then would be the declaration or the beginning of the church age. You see, the church age is 
signify not just the great things that God is doing, but with every church age in that message, there came a complaint. There came things he said, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like that. But yet in this increment of time, however long it was, they were living outside that complaint of God. Don't you see what the bride age is? Don't you see if we remain under the complaint of God, of Laodicea, we're no more than Laodiceans. But the bright age is what? Our increment of time right at the end of the seventh church age when God is saying, oh, hallelujah, I no longer call you church, but I call you bride. Bride time, bride life, bride manifestation, bride age. Oh, Lord Jesus. She remains separate and undefiled for some time. And the rest, and there's no man join himself to them, Acts 15, 5, 13, rather. And the Lord added daily such as should be saved, Acts 2, 47. How long this continued, we do not know. How long this continues? So Brother Bram didn't know. I don't figure we're going to know. So it doesn't really matter apparently how long that time was. You know, we could get into theological debates. Well, when did the bride age begin? Was it the opening of the seals? Would it have been at the fullness of the word? What time frame? Well, you know, if we really read to know, I really think the answer would be somewhere in the message. So apparently the time when it actually began is not as relevant as much as it is that we understand and move from the spirit of Laodicea over into the capping of the bride time herself. To me, that's the focus that we take on that very nature of what the bride age actually means. It's not something to make us argue and fuss and debate. It is a reality of the living God moving among his people, getting his wife ready for a rapture. How long this continue, we do not know. But one day, even as Eve was tempted and seduced by Satan, so the church was contaminated. Now notice, this is what did it right here. By the entrance of an antichrist spirit. First John 4, 3. This is the spirit of antichrist whereof you heard that it should come and is now already in the world. And Jesus said concerning his bride in the first age, I have somewhat against thee because thou was left thy first love. Now remember, this is actually after the church age begins. So those years of separation and isolation away from Nicolaitanism and away from the spirit of Antichrist, they had now merged and now they take on the embattlement of the church age. This is why so many of our message folks can never learn how to live a victorious life. They're dyed in the wool, Laodiceans. They get up, Laodiceans. They go to bed, Laodiceans. They come to church, Laodiceans. They listen to the tapes, Laodiceans. We all, friend, the bride age is not just a term. It is an anointing. It is a reality that we move into what God is speaking, what's God saying, dealing with his bride. Sure, he's dealing with the Jews. Sure, he's calling even the foolish virgin to him. But the main focus of this hour is who? The bride. The bride of Christ. You knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. Oh, my, what a terrible thing for Jesus to have to say to his bride. 
I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left. Not lost. Left. When you go off and leave something, you leave your keys, you leave your watch, you leave this or that or the other. There's a responsibility associated to that as being your personal property that you're responsible for. So she actually left. And what was it? What doctrine was it? There was no doctrine. It was her first love. For who? For him. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. The church that was in that first age already was a fallen woman. A fallen woman. And as Satan had got to Eve before Adam, even now had Satan seduced the church, the bride of Christ before the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what specifically was in her midst that caused the fall, but what revelation the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now listen to this. He says, already that first age had turned from following the pure word of God. They were still baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were still believing in gifts. They were still believing in many things. What in the world happened? They turned from God's demand of a church absolutely dependent upon him, depending entirely upon God to fulfill his word from start to finish, apart from human government. Can't you see why we have had so many messiahs raise up in our message? And we will to the end. Because there's something about human beings. They want God plus human government. Every man, every kingdom builder that raises up in this message has the same agenda. Their doctrines will be different. Their music might be a little bit different. Their approach might be a little bit different. But it is to make everybody following this message answer to them. Well, praise the Lord. What a way to close out this meeting. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Notice, so Brother Branham identifies this as Nicolaitanism. So already, once they leave this separated time to where, you know, there's none of this among. Now, I'll challenge you sometime. Read the book of Acts and then read the Pauline epistles, read James and Jude, and read all them and find out and see how that apostolic age before this time comes whenever they really enter into it. Now, Paul had the greatest gift of all, of course, but yet Paul himself did not all the time focus on him, how great he was, how wonderful he was, how great his gift was, but look it up sometime, how the church was what was identified in the book of Acts. The church, the church, the church, the church. Why? Because that was God's focus. That's what God gave birth to on the day of Pentecost. God didn't give birth just to one office on the day of Pentecost. God didn't just give birth to the fivefold ministry on the day of Pentecost, but he gave birth to the church. So the focus was what? The church. The message was about who? Christ and the church. But every minister that always winds up pointing back to him, Well, I hate to say it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You just know right there, it's the Antichrist. Now, notice he says, apart from human government to Nicolaitanism, which is an organization of human government within the church, which as all governments do, legislate for the people. Well, of course, we have you in mind. 
That's all we want. We're just watching out for you. So you can't go hear anybody else preach without me. And run everything you do by me. You want to buy a car? Run it by me. I'm your head. You can't go hear another preacher because I'm your spiritual husband and you can't receive seed from any other man. So you're going to plan a vacation for your family? You need to run it by me. You're going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend? You need to run it by me. And what you say your last name was? Hitler who? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Now you see, in that first few years when God had birthed the bride and would be able to look up it in the night sky, it was a perfect reflection of the Son of God shining on the moon as it was, and she was a full moon. But now we see something happened, and that was a lunar eclipse. Now, a lunar eclipse, as you know what they are, of course, but just to remind you, it is when the earth or the world gets in the pattern or the path in between the sun and the moon. Now, whenever the earth will come around by her orbit, say the sun is here and the moon is over here, then the the earth will come around and when it does, remember the earth is four times as large as the moon. So when it does, then the sun begins to hit the earth, the flesh, and whenever it hits the earth the flesh the world whatever you want to identify it as then the shadow of the earth itself begins to shadow and darken the moon then this is what produces lunar eclipses so even though the moon itself you know the moon cannot help really what's going on but it is actually the flesh or the earth which has got in the way well I hope y'all going to preach with me today You understand what your greatest battle is? It's them eclipses in your life. It's when your temper or your job or your mama, your daddy, whatever more, it gets in the way of the Son of God. This is why meetings like this are so great and so wonderful because the Son of God comes among us in such a manifestation. He just blows the earth from out of the way. He just gets the orbit from out of the way. Here we are as the moon and we're just basking in the presence of the sun. We get realigned illuminated, reignited by the power of God. And we're ready to walk out of here and say, praise God. Let me shine. Let me live. Let me be like Jesus wanted me to be. That's why we need one another. So the moon is doing its duty. But all of a sudden on this certain day of the cycle of the earth coming around, and all three of them, of course, have to be lined up in the same pass, and then the moon goes totally dark. Oh, am I out of his favor forever? No, not forever. Just till the cosmos passes over. So here we see now, the moon enters in now to cycles or phases to where she begins a partial lunar Eclipse. So man has started creeping into the new message. They want to be this, this bishop, this one wants to tell you what the thunders are, and this one wants to tell you how your music is. So we got a pope over music. And then we got another pope over the thunders. And then we got another pope over adoption. We got another pope over the new birth. My goodness, how many popes have we got in this message? At least the Catholics have just got one. You know what I say to it? Nonsense. Amen. You know what we do with that? We ignore the chatter chatter 
of Shasha. We keep on worshiping God. We keep on believing the gospel and projecting the gospel and go right on. And we don't let that little chatter, chatter, chatter sidetrack us from the call of what we are called to do and what we are called to become. And that is a full moon. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to be a first quarter one. I don't want to be a half moon. I don't want to be a three quarter. I want to be a full moon. I want to be a full moon for Jesus Christ. Now I can tell the way most of you are acting, you desire the same thing. (laughs) Notice what, what happens here. He says, They legislate for the people. They did exactly what Israel did. They took the expediency of human government instead of the word and the spirit. So we need to tell you what to do. We need to tell you how to do it, when to do it, and what order to do it. So they moved... From the time of separation and being undefiled of this short span of time, then they move over into the beginning of the birth of the Ephesian church age, which comes with a rebuke. I've got something against you. You've let men become what you love more than anything else. Let me tell you something, friend. I love Brother Brandon, but I don't worship him. I love these men right here. I ain't going to worship one of them. I've been around them. I can tell you right now, they ain't God. (laughs) They've been around me. They can tell you, he ain't God. I got enough sense to know that. You'd think anybody that lives in this humanity would know better than to call himself Elohim. But we've got some ignoramuses around this message that want to be called Elohim. Oh, my goodness. Lord Jesus, help me. You see, so the same thing happened then whenever we will allow messiahs to raise up among us and come among us. And what do they do? They move out from under the influence of the bride time, the bride light, the bride age, and they're still living under what? The influence of Laodicea. That they're Laodiceans. So you got to come to our church. You got to stream our services. Our pastor's got the biggest following on the internet. Oh, there's someone told me not long ago, we know who's going in the rapture. I said, really? I said, yeah. Everybody that gets our church's tapes. Denominational Antichrist. That's right. That's all it is. So it's identifying that. And if you and I think that way today, shame on us. It shows we may talk bright age, but we don't even know what it is. You see, it's all do we need men of God? Of course we do. And we will always, but real men of God are not going to lead you to a place to where they're going to be the exalted Messiah and you're going to be nothing. A real man of God knows his gift is not for himself. It costs him. It absolutely is a burden to him. It is a difficult thing to bear, but he bears it for you. The reason these meetings have been called is not for Brother Tim. 
them. It is not just that evening light tabernacle might be this or that or the other. It is to minister to the needs of the people of God. And let me tell you something, you know it already, more people in the invisible audience have been ministered to than the visible audience that's sitting here. That's why Satan hates these type of meetings. Oh, he wants to project to us, God is dead and God don't do this no more. We know better than that. We have seen what our God can do. Our God is still a miracle worker. Our God is still a healer. He's still a deliverer. All he wants to do is to find a piece of moon dust. If he can just find a piece of moon dust or a moon rock, that he can just shine his glory down on that dust, brother Joseph. And then that dust begins to reflect back to what? Most of us have seen the moon all of our life and look up at her and admire and think, oh my, isn't that really something? But you realize you're looking at yourself. Amen. You realize you're looking at yourself and you have no glory, you have no honor, you have no greatness. It's only the Son of God. Amen. As he shines himself through our lives. Is it any wonder, friends, that Satan would then try after this message has restored us to the original faith? to come right in among us and put something between us and the sun that will block out our light and we become nothing but a bunch of cold creed worshiping people and the spirit of God don't move among us and we lose our young people we lose the power of God not me I said not me I want a living God I can't serve a creed I can't serve an idol God never sent Brother Branham in this end time to restore us to the Ephesian church age. If God sent Brother Branham to restore us to the Ephesian church age, then the message of the Ephesian church age would be against us in that it would say, I rebuke you because you've left your first love. But God sent Brother Branham to restore us to the original. Oh, glory to God. It's not been said before, I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to behave, but from this point on, look out. <laughs> oh, blessed be the Lord. Notice he tells us the first church age started about A.D. 53. And yet the Holy Ghost fell in about 33 A.D. So they got approximately 20 years living outside the church age. Praise the Lord. Now, you know how man is. Man wants times and dates and exact moments when it starts and this and that. What months did it start on? What, what, all that. You know, that's irrelevant really in God. But God sets it up in increments like he does with the moon. So man wants to look at it and say, well, you know, uh, uh, it's really important that we figure all this out. When you go to figuring stuff out, you're heading toward the realm of Antichrist. 
We ain't never going to figure God out. We ain't never even going to figure out our own salvation. We need to walk it by faith. Notice in Paul established this church, he said, in Ephesus on his missionary journey, established a church at Ephesus, the Ephesian church. So then if the church age began in 53 AD, what were they before the church age began? Methodist? Metho-Baptist? Bapto-Pentecostal? Believers. It's the way we used to be before we got so divided and seven thunders and perusion, music and no music and shouting and no shouting and all that sort of thing. It's a shame. I said it's a shame. They were believers. Holy Ghost filled bride, full moon. But Satan found a way to eclipse the power of the sun, put human government in between the sun and the moon. Oh, my goodness. Notice again in paragraph 197 of Masterpiece, he said, the seed fell into the ground at Nicaea. That was the original seed. She's come through the process of these denominations, which only comes into existence once. Now, remember, he uses this in the Masterpiece, and he uses the wheat plant, and he brings a comparison. He says how much different a wheat plant is than a tree. Because a tree, the life will retreat in the fall, in the winter, and it comes back up in the spring, but not so in a wheat plant. Because in the wheat plant, it starts with the original seed. The life passes through. The elect of God come in the life movement. It reaches seed at the top. And then God never goes back down in the wheat plant again. Once God come through the Baptist move, he'll never go back again. Once God moved to the Pentecostals, he'll never go back again. Come on. And once God comes through the ranks of this message, many of them are laid of sins as all they are anyway. God will never go back into that again. But what's he capping it off with? Himself. The age of the personal life. Getting you and I to a place that we realize this message was sent for us to bring us to the original life of Jesus Christ. Notice, I love this. He said that was the original seeding. She come through the process of these denominations, which only comes into existence once. But the bride returns back again in the last days. I will restore. But friends, in reality, there's a lot of folks in this message do not believe this message is a message of restoration. They believe this message is new. I like old cars and old trucks. I mean, Carol had a 55 Ford truck whenever we first got married. Y'all remember them? Many of y'all, some of y'all too, way too young. I'm terrible looking at that. Anyway, it's a fat fendered Ford, and we, uh, we had one, and it was red, and uh, um, we got in a hard spot when we first got married, so I'd sell it. I always wanted one, so I found one near where we was at over in Tennessee there, and it's a 53 uh, Ford, fat fendered Ford, and uh, the guy chopped it a little bit and done a little bit of work on it and took the frame off of it, <clears throat> put a Chevy engine in it, and that's a Ford, but he put a Chevy engine in it and a Chevy transmission, 305 Chevy, and a <clears throat> rear end put a Camaro clip, which means you cut the frame and to and put a Camaro clip on the front end so it would work on independent suspension. All y'all with me so far? Okay. All right. Because <clears throat> the old Ford had a straight axle. So I took it down to Kentucky and my cousins do that sort of thing. So they began to modify it in their spare time and they worked on it and done all kinds of things. Well, the old Ford truck had a, a metal dash on the inside. Well, my cousin had this idea. Donnie said, why don't we take that old dash out? He said, I, I got an idea the other day and I was measuring a 68 Mustang. And he said, I got to figure and why I looked at that. I 
I could take that dash out and replace it. So I said, go for it. So he cut the old metal dash out and was able to modify that dash and put the dash of a 68 Mustang inside of a 1953 Ford truck. He also took the wiper blades motor off of a Volkswagen and put it under there. Now you're thinking this thing looks like a pile of junk. Oh no, no, no. They also cut the drip rail off of it. They done all kinds of modifications. Whenever you would raise the hood on this truck, there was not one line, not one wire that was visible. They took the old inside inner well fenders out and put polished stainless steel. So when you raised it up, the old, the old trucks like that had a master cylinder on the firewall and then the brake pedal would come inside the master cylinder. They removed the master cylinder and operated it by a cable, run a cable right down, hid the cable and hid the master cylinder underneath the driver see. There was no battery that you could see. There was no wires. There was no hoses. So basically when you raise the hood, it was chrome and red and red and chrome. In my view, if a vehicle ain't red, it needs to be painted. So therefore, <laughs> whenever you raise it up, but you know, can you imagine now what Henry Ford would have thought if he would have walked up and said, oh my, one of, one of my trucks and said, what kind of engine you got in it, Donnie? 305 Chevy. Uh, Donnie, I noticed that seat in there. It don't look like the one I come. No, sir. It come out of a 1985 full-size pickup, which they made six-way power. Now, the little old Ford, it had a little crank windows. Of course, that would never work, so they made them power. They also had the little wing windows. Some of y'all remember them. Well, he wanted to power them as well. So Henry Ford would walk up, and I'd say, how you like her, buddy? Is she restored? He'd say, that ain't no restoration. Come on now, you know where I'm going. That's not a restoration. Hallelujah. And we say we're a restored bride and don't believe in shouting. We say we're a restored bride and don't believe in having prayer lines and believe in a supernatural God. We've got a Volkswagen windshield motor and we've got a Chevy front end and we've got a Dodge back end. But brother, if we ever get restored, hallelujah, it will be Jesus front end, Jesus back end, Jesus transmission, oh, hallelujah, it will be Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brother Donnie, you all are scaring me. We had prayer line last night, and those of you that were here, I turned around and told Brother Joseph, I said, I ain't never seen so many drunk people together together in my life. But you know what? The best I remember, that's the way the church started up. say about them people when they come out of the upper room? Oh, these men are all scholarly. These men are so well trained. They said, these men are drunk. You ain't going to tell me that they call them being drunk unless they was acting like they were drunk. 
Now, maybe I'm missing something. I'm not sure how Louisiana folks do when they get drunk. I know how Kentucky folks do. I know how Tennessee folks do when they get drunk. But apparently there is a way in the message where you can get drunk. And be like this. See, years ago we used to amen the word. Now we just nod. I wonder how old Fritz would have responded to going and getting that skunk if Brother Branham had just nodded. <laughs> Brother Branham didn't nod for old Fritz. He said, get him, boy. Get him, boy. Seek him. Seek him. <laughs> Woo! Oh, I'll tell you one thing. It's powerful when a man of God begins to preach the word and then the congregation says, get him, boy. Get him, boy. Seek him. Seek him. That's right. Preach the word. Bring the word. Preach the word. Hallelujah. What is it? A restored church with the same kind of emotion, the same kind of reaction, and the same kind of life. Full moon Christians. I'm wanting to let you go, but just not yet. Notice the prophet said the life that was in the stalk, tussle, now ends up in the seed. The life that come out of the original seed come through different processes, three different processes, and he turns it back to its original condition. Notice here the life that was in the husk, in the stalk, and in the tussle, and the husk, it gathers in the seed. And the life that was in the stalk went out to make the other. Justification made way for sanctification. Sanctification made way for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost made a way for the Holy Ghost itself to come right down in perfection. Back to the Word again to make manifest. Oh my, to manifest itself rather. But what denominated dies? Like life and Luther went to make Wesley, from Wesley it went to Pentecost, and from Pentecost to make the original seed. I love that because that identifies my experience. Because I come from Pentecost, but I couldn't stop there, Brother Doug. So the life that was in me called me from Pentecost to make seed. Oh, Brother Donnie, so that's why you act the way you do. No. No, the reason I act the way I do is because I'm born of God. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to tell you I didn't shout in Pentecost. I did. I shout, I run, I jumped. As a matter of fact, a few times I walked the backs of the benches. You ever seen that? No? Quite an interesting thing. So, like this, I would jump off the platform, hit the backs of the benches. Not the bottoms, the backs. Two inches wide. Go down this side, come up that side, go down this side, come up that side, and as I'd come through, people would part. They better. <laughs> what did it accomplish? I got really tired. 
Now, if you think it's easy, you try it after church, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine? You running. I'm not talking about walking. I'm talking about running the backs. Who did it edify? Me. The times I've done that, I know of any nobody that got healed. Nobody that got delivered. Don't you understand what Pentecost done? It was a lot of steam and self-edification. Wouldn't have been something if I could have took that same power and channeled it toward those that was bound and those that needed to be delivered. That's Pentecostalism, friends. Pentecostalism is not the genuine new birth. Pentecostalism is not the restoration of the life of Christ. Pentecostalism is that stuff. Can I go on? Thank you. Notice here he said the life that was in the husk and the stock and the tossel. Notice what it all does. It all gathers together then and it goes in to make the seed. Oh my. Paragraph 137. But what denominated dies like in Luther went to make Wesley. From Wesley it went to make Pentecost. From Pentecost to make the original seed. And you see the three stages? Stalk, tossel, pollen. Then the husk. Out of the husk comes the original seed. First quarter, second quarter, third quarter, full moon. Glory to God. What is it, he says? A resurrection coming back to a masterpiece again like the one that went in. Why do people in the message despise that original church? Why do we hate Pentecost? I'm talking about the original now. On its way to the original grain through these stages, to the stalk, into the pollen, into the pollen, into the husk, and from the husk it made seed. Life leaves the stalk to make the tassel. From the tassel it makes the husk. From the husk it goes into the original grain. Never again to be useful to him. Malachi 4 said in the last days it would be restored back. What, he says, restored back like at the beginning, take it back. I wonder how Peter would have felt in these meetings this weekend. Reckon we'd embarrassed him. Reckon the meeting last night, you getting drunk on a hound dog, you walking out of here staggering out. Reckon Peter said, Ron, I can't believe you, buddy. Man alive, you embarrassed me. You, you don't fit in my ranks. When he's the first man that got up, I said, glory to God. This is that. Hallelujah. Spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I imagine Paul and Peter would have been right among us here last night, just dancing around and say, Praise God. It's back. When you arrive, the resurrection is at hand. 
Y'all jumping the gun on me now. Y'all like a bunch of racehorses this morning. <laughs> I love that though. Congregation like this and this anointing, you can stay all day long. Don't worry, I ain't going to. I'm not going to. Don't get in there. Notice restored back like the beginning. Take it back. I will restore, saith the Lord, all the years of palmer worm, the canker worm, all these have eaten. I will restore again. Malachi 4 said, He will restore the hearts. Oh, hallelujah. He will restore the heart of the people and the faith of the people back to the original fathers again. This is right before us, church. Malachi 4 is to bring back to the original. And notice what happens. She is smitten from the church, from the church body, smitten with her master. So at the Laodicean age, we found Jesus standing at the door, knocking. The prophet said he spewed them out of his mouth. They spewed them out of theirs. So what they do, they threw Jesus out. Just so happens you and I was sitting there waiting, said, come on in. (laughs) (laughs) They threw him out of the church. They threw him straight into the arms of the bride. Praise be to God. And then when you accepted him, the fullness of the word, they threw you out too. She is the word. Just the same as Joseph was smitten from his brethren because he was the word. Jesus was smitten from his brethren because he was the word. The church, the bride is smitten from the church because she is the word. This is why you cannot deceive the elected. They are the word. Let the government take every tape we've got. Let them take our Bibles. Let them shut down our churches. The word has already arrived. Oh, hallelujah. The word is here in bride form. Take up the children. The first New Testament book that was written, the book of James. 55 A.D. Corinthians 56, 57. Galatians 60. How did they live? For them years from 33 A.D. (laughs) Without having a written New Testament. Oh, but you see, they did have a written New Testament. It was written in the lives of those individuals. Oh, we love our Bibles. Thank God for our Bibles. But oh God, hasten the day when the New Testament will be rewritten. Not another version. Not a King James.
James Version, not a Thompson Nelson Version, but a flesh version. Oh, glory to God when this God Word is made manifest in our lives. Every day we live it. Every day we talk it. Every night we talk it. The Word made flesh. You say, that's crazy, Brother Donnie. Is it? Paragraph 161, the prophet said, the word living and in action. The Bible bride. Not some man-made bride, but the Bible bride. Smitten and afflicted of God. No beauty we should desire her, yet we did think of this. A prophet of God arrived to an age that he could be able to substitute the bride in Isaiah's writings. The music continues. What is it? The father's drama. Brother Rem said it's Peter and the wolf, the divine symphony. In the symphony is minors, majors, sevenths, nines, diminished, augmented chords. You musicians understand what I'm saying? In the symphony, maybe places where the music rise so high, and then we're that's the valleys. But the whole time, the Father has got the sheet music of your life. Glory to God! Glory to God! Hallelujah! Our hurts, our trials, our tests will not stop the symphony of our lives. It's beating out Jesus and the bride. Jesus and the bride. Thank you, Jesus. Let me call some. Brothers, run me up to paragraph 171, if you would. All the true life that was in the stalk, tossle, and husk is now gathering in the seed, ready for the resurrection, ready for the harvest. The Alpha has become Omega. Why did you thought? I thought Jesus was that. He is. So here's the Alpha and the Omega, the sun. So then he shines it upon the moon. And he says, now you're Alpha. Oh, God. You see, when he called a man by the name of Abram, Abram done many good things, no doubt, under that name. God said, you've arrived at a dispensational change. Your name needs to be changed. Abram is not good for what I'm fixing to move you into. So God divided his name and he just went like that. Slid those letters this way and this way, A B R A, A M. And then God took a portion of his own name, which was the H, and God slid that H right down in the middle of that, and then it went 
put it back together and said, now you're Abraham. I'm big Elohim. And you're a little Elohim. <laughs> the thing you know what? He had a bride. God didn't say much about that bride for many, many years. And Abraham would come in and say, you know, but God done this and God done that. Well, what did he give you today? Well, he told me I was going to be like the stars. Did he say anything about me? Want to go out in a week or two and come back and say, glory to God, hallelujah. What do you tell you now? Did he mention me? Nope. But one day Abraham come in and said, all right, let's have a family meeting. After this day, nobody calls me Abram anymore. You imagine Sarah, she's sitting there with a glistening in her eyes. What if he said anything about me this time? Don't you understand, friends? For years and years, we thought the whole epitome of the message was Brother Branham. There's more in the message than Brother Branham. But finally, the bride is hearing her name called. And you imagine when Abraham told Sarah, Sarah, God gave me a revelation about you. you mean I'm part of it too? Don't you see why she told him whenever he got Hagar? Don't you understand why she do it? God remained silent about the bride's position for years and years and years. But finally God said, I want you to take Sarai. S-A-R-A-I. As long as I was on the end of her name, I dominated her. I believe this, and I think that, and I want this. But God said, I'm going to cap her name off with the same thing I put in the middle of yours. Hallelujah! I don't want you to call her Syria no more. I want you to call her Sarah. Let me find a place to close. Brother Brown said, the alpha has become omega. The first come last. And the last is the first. The seed that went in has come through a process and become the seed again. But you see, friends, this is why many folks in the message don't want this pattern. They want something new. That way, if you got something new, you make Brother Branham all fivefold of the ministry. Now, see, you cannot take that into the apostolic foundation of the Scripture because whenever they talked about apostles and prophets, it wasn't one man that's talking about. You got to put Brother Branham in the Old Testament, and they do one of the worst things that they can do by taking Brother Branham out of the ministry in the New Testament and placing him in the position of the Old Testament and saying, well, one man, one man, one man. That's right. I agree with that. In the Old Testament, Noah was the only one that preached his message. Jeremiah was the only one that preached his. Praise the Lord. And they take Brother Branham completely out of the New Testament and say, well, if you stand up and preach, you're a Dathan and a Korah. That's a very good fit setting because it's in the Old Testament. But they're 
doing him one of the greatest disfavors that can be done. They're moving him out of his position as a New Testament prophet and placing him in the Old Testament. You imagine if Brother Branham was here, you've seen the meeting of Jack Cole, haven't you? When Jack Cole preached, and who's standing behind him, Jack Cole preaching? Brother Branham, standing there with his hands raised up. Praise the Lord. Brother Branham, are you the only one to preach? Question answer 1964. Ever, brother, sister, whoever told you that? I would be a poor example on God. Every man that's called of God needs to get out there and preach. We need them, he said. I imagine if Brother Branham had been here in the meeting, the deacons have done had to carry him out four or five times. Can you imagine Brother Branham here back in Louisiana again and seeing the evening light tabernacle when he had to preach at Jack Moore's a Pentecostal church and to see his message come into this fruition? Oh, glory to God! To see the children of God eating the bread of God rejoicing in the evening light? It's the greatest compliment that we can pay to the prophet of God. Become what he said, friends. Let me find a place to close. Well, there's an anointing got on me this morning that's anointing me to be real long, and I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> My little buddy, he can take it. Now, so I don't become a liar, I'm trying to close. <laughs> Let's go back and we'll close with this. The date is July the 3rd, the year 1964. The prophet has been caught up into a vision. This is two days before he preaches the sermon, the masterpiece. I'm going to tell the vision. I don't know that I can interpret it. But I'm going to tell the vision for my first time. I fell into a trance, and when I did, there was somebody with me. I didn't see the person, but it was just like a voice. And I looked this way, and he said, The bride will come in view for a preview. And I looked coming to me, and I seen the most, the most prettiest bunch of clean-dressed women I ever seen in my life. Each one of them looked like was dressed different. They all had long hair and they wore longer sleeves and skirts and so forth. Young women, they looked kind of like I'd say maybe 20. You older sisters see yourself in that vision? <laughs> now, I have the Bible open before me and I can only say what I've seen. If you say, what are you looking at? I'm looking at the clock. What are you looking for? I'm looking for people, looking at people. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the Bible. That's what I, I'm telling the truth. That's what I see. I can only say what I see. I don't know what it is all about it. I just have to tell you. But when this bride, when she was looking and the one talking to me and I was standing together and her eyes, she was the cleanest, sweetest looking people I've ever seen in my life. Looked like it could have been a dozen or more. 
I don't know how many abreast, but there was just a group of them. And she passed by sweetly with an air and her eyes up watching as she passed by. Oh, she was beautiful. I looked at her and as she passed by, he said, now we shall see the preview. He said, that's the bride. Now we will review the churches. So the bride comes in view and then the churches, or may I say it this way, the bride starts out with the bride, then the church ages. Glory to God. Oh God. Now we review the churches and they come and I noticed them coming up and when they come up, each one looked like they got worse. I never seen such a filthy bunch in my life. And he said, next, I heard a noise and said, next, here comes the American group. I'm an American, but this made me sick. I'm not eloquent enough in a mixed audience to say what was taking place. You'll have to read between the lines. But when the women were coming, the leader of them was a witch. She had a great long nose and a great big mouth. All of them was dressed with some kind of lower clothes down here. But the top just had a strap. Just a little about a half inch strap that moved up and went around them like this. Each of those women, something on that order. Many of you years ago used to remember what we used to cut that paper, you know, newspaper. And make an old fly bush. You imagine how embarrassing this was for a prophet of God in a vision seeing a woman, women, dressed this way. Lord God. I think they used to use it in carnivals, you know, hanging down at that fringe lace paper. They had something holding below them like this, holding below them. All this part was exposed. Each one had cut hair real short, frizzy looking things all over it like that, real short cut hair and full of makeup. Why? The ordinances of the moon, they rejected. Oh, God don't care about that. Some old barns need a new coat of paint. I agree, but that ain't sure much to compare yourself to. If you got an old barn that's run down, paint it. But God, that sure ain't calling yourself much, old barn. Oh, my. Absolutely nothing but look like street prostitutes. They were walking with this paper and the vulgarity. Now the paper was what was in front of them. But when they passed the review stand, the back of them, to see the way they were going in the foremost in their back part, how it was acting, and I said, is that the church? Can you imagine how Brother Branham has labored now for decades, for oh my, all of these years, and he's thinking, oh my God, is this all that I could produce? And this is a bride for Christ. Is that the church? And there she went and they were singing. Listen now. They were singing this your twist and roll songs. They wasn't just playing one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four similar rhythm, which is shared by classical gospel, southern gospel. They were using the words of rock and roll songs. The originator of dancing in the spirit is God, not the devil. The originator of music is God, not the devil. 
So they wasn't just playing certain music that identified them as being this church. They were saying the words, rock and roll words. Well, praise the Lord. I said, is that the church? And I was standing there and in my heart I was crying. And this witch, to my notion, is nothing else in the world. But it said that that world council of churches leading them straight down the road where she was going. They went off to the left and disappeared in chaos. Still beating this music and making real funny sounds and shaking their bodies one side and then the other. And then like that, carrying on that way walking. And I just started to bow my head and he said, Wait. Oh, children, this is what we've been doing. We've been waiting. Oh, my, some of these men of God have labored in the Word, and men of God around the world have labored in doctrines and labored in all kinds of things, waiting for what? For that bride to come back to being the bride she was at the beginning. Wait, the bride must come again. You see, I'm not just a preacher that preaches the second coming of Jesus. I preach the second coming of the bride. (laughs) Jesus ain't going to come back unless the bride comes first. Lord have mercy. Then I wonder how close we are to his coming. I believe with all of my heart. I'm not trying to flatter you. I'm not trying to flatter my friend. I believe there's people sitting right here today that are part of this very vision that he saw. The very unfolding of that bride that come around the second time. The Omega bride. The finishing up of that bride. There's people sitting here today that will not die. We are so... So close to the rapture, there are people standing here who will get a new body. Why the Alpha has become the Omega. So the bride, then the churches or church ages, and the bride must come again. And I looked. Here they come again as they pass by. Sweet looking little ladies. They didn't have Volkswagen windshield wiper motors now. And they didn't have a GMC seat. But they look just like the first ones. <laughs> and I noticed each one was dressed different. One in the back kind of had long hair hanging down and rolled around like this. Might have been German or something like that. And I watched them as they started leaving. Two or three of them in the back kind of got out of step. He points this out in this sermon. There was not the ones in front, but the ones in the back, which lets us know it's right near our time. Because he'll tell you. And I was going to holler at them like that, and I was trying to get them back a step again, and I seen them just a vision fade out and change. Now, here's the interpretation. Now, when I started reading this to you, he didn't know what the interpretation was. You're a privileged people. A prophet of God stands there and has a vision, don't even know what it means, but as he's standing there telling that the Lord God unveils it to him. (laughs) Remember, I just got through writing, or I hadn't finished. I hadn't wrote these notes yet on the sermon, the masterpiece. Praise God. 
So this is on Sunday morning, and on a real good Friday, God gives him a vision of me. <laughs> that would have been a good Friday, would it not? <laughs> this is a real good Friday. And let me say it this way. This is a real good Sunday. This has been a real good week. It's been a real good weekend. In preaching this morning, I call what it was right in my sermon. Did you notice the church? Come on, that's the truth, friends. The Heavenly Father writes the word knows I'll tell you the truth. I just said the truth. Not knowing it till just a few minutes ago or just recently. Did you notice the bride come into view twice? The first seed and the second seed, both of them exactly the same one. So the first, the alpha bride didn't look one way and they were just drunk and carrying on off of several loads. And then the second bride was a bunch of cold intellectual theologians. They were dressed in different parts because she'll come from all nations. Norway, Germany, Finland, Africa. It'll make up the bride. Each one had long hair and no makeup. Real pretty girls. And they were watching me. That represented the bride coming out of all nations. Are you ready, friends? You see, those who get all caught up in themselves are drunk on moonshine. It's what little bit of light shines through their life and they get so intoxicated on themselves. But the real bride of Christ don't get intoxicated on moonshine but sunshine. Amen. We're not drunk today on this church. We're not drunk today on Brother Tim or Brother Ron. But we are drunk on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The Son of God shining in the evening time, reflecting himself on a bride. Listen. Let's maybe you can run up to paragraph 198 there. The musicians will come. All others never appeared no more. They went out, never to come back again. But the bride came back because she was Alpha and Omega. God, the great sculptor, made him a masterpiece. For it is a piece of his first masterpiece. Like he made in the Garden of Eden and took a piece from and made another piece. And that was marred and fell. Now he's been all this time building it up again. He's brought forth this masterpiece, was smitten in order to bring back the masterpiece. So the masterpiece, the Son of God, the masterpiece and the bride, it's a piece of him. Which must be the fulfilling of his word. And what does any great artist do or sculptor do? They pick a certain location, a certain spot for their masterpiece. So the bride is getting so close to being ready. By the ending of the writing of the church age book in 1965, the gates had already been hung. Amen. That's right. You understand heaven had not been built before Jesus come to the earth. Jesus did not say, behold, I go away to do a remodel. God. Don't you understand? This place of heaven that he's going to build for you, the devil 
has never set one foot there. Glory to God. Glory to God. He can come before the throne of God. He can accuse you. He can do all kinds of things. But somewhere in that expanse is a place that he's built. No demons have ever been there. No devil's foot has ever touched those streets of gold. By 1965, the gates were already hung. The streets had already been laid and created. And the angels standing, waiting, breathlessly. You imagine, as the great queen of heaven, if they were standing breathlessly, I hope they can hold their breath a long time. (laughs) If they were standing breathlessly in 1965, can you imagine? I just wonder how many angels has been in this place this week. You understand the Bible says that the angels look into the Holy Ghost and they look into things which they don't even understand. Them cherubims of the Ark of the Covenant, they were built like this and their head bent down because they were looking this way. And the scripture said that the angels, which things the Holy Ghost, the angels look into, which means to get down on your knee and peer into. What you've got in your soul today, the Holy Ghost, the angels are still trying to figure it out. They're looking into it with such curiosity. They are seeing God's grace and manifestation through your life in a way that they've never seen it in the universe. They're watching you. We are teaching the angels the grace and the mercy and the power and the resurrection of God. They are looking at our lives and thinking, oh, they're just talking about it. Oh my goodness. Wow. But one day, he'll get up and they'll watch him step in behind the curtain and he'll change his clothes. And when he does, he steps out and they say, Oh my God. No longer high priest. Get ready. Get ready. It would be unbecoming for you to see him as hypers. It would be unbecoming for you to see him with blood all over him and all of that. So what does he do before the rapture? He steps in behind and changes clothes and steps out with a diadem in his hand. That ought to make you shout. His changing clothes is a sign that you're fixing to change clothes. and to change clothes for we know at this earthly house of this tabernacle we're dissolved we have a building of God not made with hands eternal in the heavens can you imagine the angels today's the day and as they look at him and the expression on his face they say, oh, I've never seen him like this. I've never seen him like this. Praise God. Of course, to you, it's just Monday morning. You get up out of the bed, your breath stinks. You just feel awful. Oh, man. 
got to work again today. <laughs> you go in, put on your toothpaste, one of your contacts in, one out. <laughs> Come to find out you put deodorant on your toothbrush and you thought, oh, what a way to start out Monday. <laughs> but all of a sudden you feel this aura and you stand there looking in the mirror and behind you is your mama. 20 years old, <laughs> your daddy, and you know that won't be long. Yes, Columbia beyond the Gamp, 1964, think of it, missing people. They can't find you no more, but you're getting together with the rest of the group and you come up missing on the earth. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Wow, friends, the moon has come around to full cycle. It means the resurrection, the alpha, has become the Omega. Let's bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, what can we say? Oh, God, hasten the day. Lord, how we wish it could be today. Yes. Yet, Lord, maybe there's another seed or two or ten or a thousand. It's not been brought in yet. We know how you are. You won't leave one behind. We're glad you're that way. Yes. If you'd get all of them but one, that would be unbecoming to your nature. Because that one might be us. So, Lord, if there's one here today that's not where they need to be, may they be able to make peace, Father. If they're still in the Laodicea mindset, or they come to a message church, but still into that old Laodicean mindset, may the new birth take them across into that Omega time, bright light, bright time, bright age as it was. Lord, we're not seeking for the leadership of man. This man to tell us to do this and play this tape and go here and do this and that and the other. We don't want that old thing, God. Manifest yourself in us, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for these meetings. They've been tantamount meetings. Wonderful. Just outstanding. Thank you for letting me and Carol be able to be here in them, Lord. Dear God, we ask you that you minister to your people. Heal the sick. Deliver the captive. Oh, God, we love you. We worship you, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of God now? Think of it, friends. A bride is standing on the earth. The same type of ministry that we read about in the book of Acts. The same things taking place with that same Lord Jesus. Oh, it's not us. It's Him. We're able to get the earth out of the way so the sunlight can shine through our poor, feeble lives. You know how she is. You stand out and look at her at night. She's so feeble compared to the sun. Oh, the sun, the king of light, comes up in the day and all the bugs hush and all the night creatures go reside. Not with the moon. The moon, she gives her little pale, dim light, but yet she rules the night. There will not be peace brought on the earth as long as we're here. That will only come with the sun. But we maintain order. Glory to God. 
This is our position. Thank you, Lord God. Before we go, would you mind just reaching your hand over and praying for that person standing by you? Maybe somebody didn't get ministered to last night. Maybe you wasn't here. Maybe you have a different need today in your heart. May the Lord Jesus help you. Heavenly Father, eagle to eagle, believer to believer, we have our hands one upon the other. Lord Jesus, may you minister to your saints today. Oh God, heal any sick Lord that may not have got healed last night if it didn't drop in their hearts last night. God, finish that work today. May we leave this place, oh God, so charged with the presence of the Holy Ghost to realize what an awesome responsibility we have as the Omega bride to keep the earth out of the way lest we have lunar eclipses in our life help us Lord Jesus bless the ministry Lord bless the preacher brothers dear God the saints the churches have been represented go with us now Lord God we pray thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Lord Jesus.